0: Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message.
1: Well, as we, as we go to prayer, we certainly have a lot that has been heavy on our hearts, not just what's going on in the life of our church when we have a dear brother who's fighting cancer in Texas, Brian Vale. But also as we, we sort of hold on for dear life as people try to get out of Afghanistan and the, the deaths of so many because of a suicide bomber and, and so many aspects of that that seem to put not just our people but the Afghan people who have been helping us for the last 20 years in harm's way. and and women who've done things so horrible as teaching yoga classes and educating their children. Uh, the, The reality of what's going on won't be fully known probably for months, but it is a frightening development, and we have to keep that entire situation in our prayers. As we must for the people of Haiti, it's interesting how quickly the tragedy in a place like Haiti Fades from the news broadcasts, and yet those people continue to struggle for months and sometimes years after an earthquake followed by a trop- tropical storm. And, of course, we have that storm now approaching the Louisiana coast, and so we, we remember these, these dear people. Even as we rejoice and give thanks for <laughs> people like, you know, Bruce and, and Glenna and their their love together and their love for so many people in this community, and for Rich and Chris and the tremendous celebration that they had up north. And it's, it's really kind of stunning how, once again, I mean, we knew this after Vietnam, how those who came back were not accepted well. Some of that respect for veterans is beginning to drain away. And, and we need to do what we must to make sure we stay thankful for those people who've put their lives on the line and risked everything. So we have to continue to pray, hold up our nation, and hold up one another in prayer. Let's let's do so together now. Oh, Father, just when it seems that the reality of faith is being eclipsed by various expressions of hatred and secular secular agendas when it seems that faith is being eclipsed by various narratives both on the left and on the right Lord God we are deeply concerned that that the faith that you have imbued within us that, that you have planted in our hearts that it might continue to grow Remind us, O oh Lord, that, that your body has always been a minority in cultures. And sometimes the, the church has done its, its greatest work when it was under the greatest pressure. And so, dear Lord, as we continue to watch what seems to be a, a culture coming unraveled, Lord, may we, may we do what we must to show forth your love for this world which, for which you died. May we labor that, that we might do the right thing in all the relationships that we have. That We might not give way to bitterness and hatred, but love our way through and support one another, maintaining a, a humility and a humor. That allows us to continue to reflect your love and your presence in whatever context we find ourselves. So, Father, I, I pray that you would also keep your church alive. That your church might continue to be the, the witness to the reality of your sovereign care over ours and all nations. That you are Lord of all, and that is not just talk. That is an established reality that though only partially seen, it will one day be seen by all flesh together. But until that day, O Lord, we as your body, as your blood, as your presence in this world, that we might rightly reflect the nature of Christ wherever we are and to whomever we meet. Thank you, O Lord, that you would trust us that you would not only give us our our freedom, you would give us our responsibility, that our our faith carries the responsibility to, to care for one another and watch out for one another, to do the best we can both with ourselves and with our brothers and sisters so that we might always be a place where people know that they can come, where they can be heard, where they can be safe, ...where they can express their thoughts, their struggles, their opinions, whatever it may be... ...but that your church would be the embracing center... ...so that people might know of the love that that redeems through all of life's circumstances. Lord God, we continue to pray for our people who are struggling with health... We have so many. We pray for those who are in positions of supporting those who are needing support, our caregiving spouses, as well as for those who are in receipt of that care. And we ask, O oh Lord, that we might be a, an ongoing presence that reaches out, that encourages, prays for, and that when possible actually loves and embraces that we might be the redemptive presence that you intend for this world but that that presence might be acted out in our relationship with one another And so Lord we we pray that even as we prepare ourselves to receive your body and blood that we might understand the receipt of holy food and drink is the acceptance of of your Son into our hearts and lives. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. And we worship God with our offerings to him. Thank you, Father. You privilege us to the extent that we can support your work, that we can live into it, that we can embody it. Toward that end, Lord, open our hearts to your word, our wills to our life that you intend. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the story of Jesus feeding the multitude is an inflection point in his ministry. It demonstrates how profoundly radical and unexpected was his presence. They thought they were going to get a prophet like Elijah, or that they were gonna get another, another Moses, or someone to fulfill the Abrahamic covenant they were looking for someone that had an antecedent in the Old Testament and instead they they have someone who is absolutely absolutely unanticipated radically new hear the Word of God as it comes to us from the Gospel of John Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee also known as the Sea of Tiberius. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because he saw, they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread for to feed all these people? He was testing Philip for he, was all, he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with a few barley loaves and two fish. What good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone were about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told the disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him, do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. And after that, Jesus left, and he actually walked on water, and he met the disciples in Capernaum. And there they were meeting him and they wanted more bread. They wanted to see Jesus again because he gave them bread. And so they thought that if they just keep following him, then he would be a, a walking bakery, a walking healthcare system, that he would take care of all of their problems. He would be the king that sort of functioned like Moses did, providing for them in the wilderness. Then the people began arguing with each other about what Jesus meant because he told them that he must, that they must take him and consume him, not just the bread he provides. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise that person on the last day, for my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him." The word of the Lord. So once again, the people just, they don't get it. And why should they? Why should they understand? So here is somebody who miraculously multiplies five barley loaves and two fish and and thousands of people are fed by it. And they collect surplus from those 5,000 people. And all they could think about was Moses in the wilderness, because every morning manna came down from heaven and water came from rocks. And so they thought, this is one like Moses. This is one like Moses, and this is one who can become for us a king like David. So they looked back, and they had those reference points. But for Jesus, they had no, there was no point of reference. There was no way of understanding exactly what it was that he was doing. And when he gave them the, the food that he gave them, this was, this was so that they could hear what he was saying. It's hard to hear over a grumbling stomach. You know, the, the mind can only absorb what the body can withstand. And so Jesus fed them so that they might hear what he was saying to them. And what he was saying to them, would you have to actually receive me you actually have to take me into you for, for my food is to do the will of God. My, my food, that which nourishes me, must nourish you. And that is to, to do the will of God. But for them, that was just pious talk. They wanted him to be their king. <laughs> they, they, they literally tried to force him to be their king. They wanted to seize him. And Jesus slipped away and he went up into the mountains and he he hid there. It's interesting if you've ever read Brothers Karamazov, Ivan, the atheist, argues with Alyosha, his brother. And he says, this is where Jesus blew it. This is where Jesus made his big mistake. He should have allowed them to make him king and set up a first century state of Israel. As he says, he made them free when they wanted to be happy. To be free doesn't mean that necessarily at all that they're going to be happy. They wanted to be happy. They wanted to have their bellies filled They're wanting to have their bodies healed because all they can think of is those surface realities of life. They couldn't think of the the depths of what life is really all about. And what life is really all about is being truly free. And with that freedom, of course, comes responsibility. That if we're free, we are also responsible with our freedom to to take care of ourselves, to take care of one another. There is no freedom without responsibility. We, however, we just want the freedom. And then the, the human tendency is just then want everything given to us. This is why I believe that, that the, the social gospel of the turn of the 19th century into the, into the 20th century the social gospel that tried to argue a a socialist worldview it was desperately wrong for it was tried in the first century and it was a it was a miserable failure Jesus could have gone through and just healed everyone he could have kept going and just fed everyone but that was not freedom for the people That was ultimately a dependence upon one single person. A dependence upon him and him alone, rather than his distributing himself into the hearts and lives of people so that people might experience their own freedom and their own responsibility, and not provide bread just for themselves, but for others as well. So the the point is missed when we look at this simply in the form of our human surface expectations. Then Jesus goes on to say, take this bread, which is my body, my flesh, and drink this blood, and the people have no idea what on earth is he talking about how can this make any sense whatsoever and and they really don't know but Jesus reinforces it he goes deeper and he says you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you appropriate me fully into your into your life unless I am I am infused into you and I become a part of your entire system, digestive and otherwise. And so he uses this language that, that they don't understand. And even as I read it, when he says we, we must eat his flesh and drink his blood, it's just, it's hard to take. It's hard to understand. It's hard to appropriate that kind of language. But therein is the mystery, the mystery of what it means to belong to Christ, to belong to Christ means to fully appropriate him into us, into our hearts and into our lives, to receive him fully. And, you know, there's a point at which, of course, I, I, uh, I, think, I think Catholics have it right in some things. <laughs> Those of you who are former Catholics, you're, uh, there is no such thing as a former Catholic, pardon me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but if you're Catholic and are going to our church or some other church, Catholics believe in what's called transfiguration, the the transformation of the elements into the actual body and blood of Christ. And that's, of course, a great mystery. And, And yet there is something to that mystery that they are affirming what is said here in the Gospel of John, and that is that we, we take the body of Christ, and that we take the blood of Christ, and that it is more than just symbolic, which is what our Baptist brothers and sisters say. It's more than just, just a symbolic reality. It, there is something real about this table and about these elements. And the elements of this table, we treat it separately. And just so you know, we take all the leftover juice, wine, and we pour it into the bushes. I take the bread, and I either consume it myself or I give it to the ducks out back. I don't throw it away. It's been set aside. There's enough mystery about this table that I take it seriously. I take my Catholic brothers and sisters seriously and my Baptist brothers and sisters seriously and others. I take it seriously because we do not know what this really means. We only know what it signifies. What it signifies is God's gift of his son to us and that we take it in. And what that means remains beyond our grasp. But what I will say is that this is God's love language. You've heard that term, love language. There's a great scene in what is my, my I think my favorite ever series, Heartland. If you haven't seen it, it's so good, it's so touching, and it's clean, and it's fun, it's family. But uh, Jack, who's the patriarch, Drives an old beat-up Chevy pickup truck. And his sweetheart, Lisa, wants to give him a new truck. So she goes out and buys him a brand new truck. And it's her love language to him. And he drives it a little bit, and then at one point he gets out and slams the door and says, I hate this thing. They take it back to the story, he continues to drive his old truck. But what did she learn? Even though it was love language to him, he didn't have the capacity to understand it. And so the language had to be adapted and adjusted so that he could receive the love from this woman who ultimately became his wife. And that's how love is. That's how. Our love is with one another I know Bruce and Glenna in their years 69 years together have learned to love one another and part of what we have to do is learn to receive what God has given to us his love language to us his gifts to us because we may not get it we may say I you know I I don't like church I don't like this stuff But it's the way God loves us. Remember, as a kid, I was was, uh, mowing lawns, and I'd take the the money, and I'd buy models, airplane models and that sort of thing. I had, like, wars hanging from my ceiling, World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and even World War III hanging from my ceiling in in my bedroom. At one point, Mom made a comment about how I was spending my money. She didn't think it was a good use of my funds, And if mom said it, it had to be true. I remember her hounding dad at one point weeks earlier about not having a clock in the kitchen. So soon thereafter, I got on my bike and went up to Brewster's uh, drugstore and um, found a clock, found batteries, and put it in, and gave it to mom. And mother saw that. It's a dumb little clock. I think I paid two bucks for it or something like that. She wept and gave me a big hug. And you know know what I'm talking about. The way we love one another, the way God loves us, We we learn how to receive the love of God. We learn how to appropriate his life into ours so that we become fully his. And inasmuch as we are fully his, all the surface stuff begins to fade away. It doesn't mean so much anymore. What really matters is, is the stuff of the heart of God's love for us, our love for one another, our love for that world that Jesus loved so much he gave his life for it. So the love language of God, that's what we receive. Will you bow with me in prayer? And so, Lord, teach us how to understand what it is you say to us even beyond the testimony of her word, is the reality of your spirit that comes to us one by one. Each one of us is given the special gift of your love. And may our hearts be open to receive it and to understand it and to experience it and to feel it when you show it. We ask it in the name of your Son, our Savior Christ, your gift to the world. Amen. On the night that our Lord was betrayed, when he had given thanks, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you Take and eat, and do this in remembrance of me." Receive now the body, the flesh of Christ himself. In like manner, our Savior took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant, my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show forth my death until I come again. The cup of our Savior Christ.
0: Nothing but the blood of Jesus.
1: Join me in prayer. Our Father, we thank you. Thank you for the inexpressible gift of grace in your Son, our Savior Christ, we confess, O oh Lord, that we cannot comprehend for this which we receive from you is far beyond that which we could ever, for which we could ever ask or think. So we thank you. We praise you. And we ask, O oh Lord, that our lives might be transformed by the infusion of your life into ours even as we pray as your Son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
0: If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.